Hope everybody had a great weekend. It was a great weekend for the Kansas City Royals, and we've got a lot to talk to on this next edition of Locked On Royals. The role this Chapman was finally dealt. What did we think of the return? Bobby Wood Jr. has been on a tear over his last 30. Is it sustainable? And after Chapman was the first to go, who is the second to go? All of that is coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are Locked On Royals. Your daily Kansas City Royals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is a new week, it's a new series, and it's a new edition of Locked On Royals. And we always want to thank you for making Locked On Royals your first listen every day when it comes to these Kansas City Royals. You can obviously catch us on all the podcasting platforms. That can be Spotify. That can be Apple Podcasts. That can be Amazon Music. You also can follow along and subscribe on YouTube. We've had a lot of reach out. We've had a lot of comments and a lot of exposure in just our first week, at least with me being the host of Locked On Royals. And before we get any further and we get my thoughts on the Aroldis Chapman trade, let's give a shout out to our title sponsor in Ibotta. And the 4th of July is right around the corner. So are you picking up burgers and hot dogs for that summer barbecue? We're already going to be doing it. We already know you're going to be doing it. Hot dogs, brats, burgers, everything for your lunch and dinner tomorrow. So why not get cash back for it with Ibotta? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods so that you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy with Ibotta. Now, to jump into segment number one here, and I want to give a little bit of a rundown of why we didn't uh, give you a reaction, at least with our podcast on the Aroldis Chapman trade. Well, number one, was already busy lining up that interview with former Royal Brandon Finnegan, which you can check out on all those podcasting platforms and YouTube if you want to see the visual part of it. So we didn't get a chance to react to the Aroldis Chapman trade because it was already an hour or so after I posted the podcast. And we are daily, five episodes a week, Monday through Friday. You can never have a shortage when following Kansas City Royals baseball right here on the Lockdown Network. But I thought today would be perfect, right, as the Royals are gearing up for game one of a three-game set with the Minnesota Twins. Because Aroldis Chapman is no longer your anchor at the back end of the bullpen. And it's only going to be probably another week or two before Scott Barlow is out of that bullpen. So to me, it feels like, what can you do? What can you do to maybe bolster that bullpen the rest of the way but maybe how could you incorporate some of these guys you're going to be acquiring at the deadline? Now, we've already done a segment before in discussing the trade candidates, what you're wanting in return. And if you can recall us back to what I said, I said there's no need to go out there and get major league ready guys. When you're already a few years away from contention, it's about bolstering your low A level. Uh, you want to get 17 to 18 year old guys because the hope is, if you're competitive three years down the road, if you're a true divisional winner, you're a postseason contender, and at best a World Series contender, well, you want a lot of guys that are under control for five, six, or seven years. 
You have a 21-year-old that's raking in double-A or triple-A, stuff like that. And I thought what the Royals got in return for Roldis Chapman, at the time, I even tweeted this out, at the time, it felt incredibly light. There was no top 30 prospect. I had sort of fallen under the mirage that maybe, just maybe, you could get somebody from 90 to 100 and top 100 prospects, depending on how desperate that team would be. But as I digested a little bit, and we found out the return for Aroldis Chapman was Cole Reagans, a former first rounder and a guy that's already had troubles with, with Tommy John surgery, trying to work his way back throughout the bullpen with Texas this year and a year where Texas is going to be a World Series contender. But a former first rounder has good stuff, has a plus changeup, but injuries have derailed him. And this year, he just hadn't been as great out of the bullpen for Texas. But the Royals saw something in him. And then they get a 17-year-old in Roni Cabrera, who I thought really was the gem of the trade here. He's not eligible to be a top prospect. You can't rank him top 30 just yet. He's playing right now in the Dominican Summer League for the Royals, was with the Rangers, and was tearing it up. But those are the type of guys that the Royals have to be looking for at the deadline. You want to get those lottery ticket guys. You know, because the international scouting department is not been as strong of late. The Royals haven't been pumping out a lot of guys or signing maybe uh, these future superstars. And I know it's usually kind of blindly throwing stuff at a dartboard. You're not going to hit on five out of seven or, or seven out of 10 or nine out of 10 prospects that are 16 and 17 year old. You gamble on what they're going to be. But the Rangers have showed a past of being able to hit on a lot of international stars, which is why I think the Royals were intrigued by a guy like Roni Cabrera. But I saw people in my comments and in the comments for the Royals announcing the trade that, well, of course, they bombed another trade, couldn't even get a top 30 prospect for a role this Chapman. At the end of the day, you kind of have to break this down from what it looks like on paper. All right, a role this Chapman was dominant, the back end of the Royals' bullpen. However, he wasn't closing out games. He was a setup guy for a team that was 30 games below 500. Number two here, he's 35 years old. Okay, so he's 35 years old. Yes, he's pumping 102, 103, 104 again. But he's 35. And a lot of teams understand this is probably the best oldest Chapman is ever going to get again in his career. You're not going to be able to throw 104 at 37, 38. Hell, not many people believed he was going to be doing that after last season, he was bad for the Yankees. The Royals found something, rediscovered him, retooled him a little bit, and he found that prime version of a role this Chapman again. And that was a very positive thing for the Royals, especially signing him to a minor league deal. But he was 35. He's coming off a bad year. Yes, he was great for a couple months in Kansas City, but that's another part of this. He hadn't thrown more than 30 innings. So you had a Roldis Chapman on a minor league deal. He threw less than 30 innings, was great, struck out north of 16 guys per nine. Walk numbers went down a little bit. Velocity's way up, movement's way up. But you have to kind of look at it and go, okay, it was less than 30 innings for Roldis Chapman. If Roldis Chapman was 28 or 29, he was with you last year pitching like this, he was with you this year pitching like this, then yes, a top 100, top 100 prospect is likely in the cards. You're not getting that for 30 innings of a Roldis Chapman. Uh, that's just not likely. And especially not when he's closing out games. 
the Royals could have maybe increased his value by making him the closer, but that was maybe never in the cards. I know there were some reports when the Royals signed him that he was signed to close out games. He picked Kansas City because he had a great opportunity to close out games, but it was always going to be Scott Barlow. But the Royals got Cole Reagans and they got Rony Cabrera. At first, I, I wasn't too excited about Cole Reagans. I had seen him pitch for Texas. I wasn't really blown away. And he actually made a start yesterday in Omaha. Had four shutout innings with five Ks. And then the wheels fell off in the fifth inning before anybody loses their head or loses their marbles over that. You look at this and go, he was a bullpen guy. He was being lengthened out a little bit, stretched out a little bit. The wheels were going to fall off, but the stuff was great. The changeup was great. The fastball was phenomenal. Now his cutter, that's a pitch that I would like for Cole Reagans to move off of. But fastball changeup looks pretty good so far, at least in the one outing that we've heard, seen film on from Omaha. But overall, this trade is starting to win me over a little bit. Now, I did say in one of last week's episodes that the Royals could package a few guys with the role this chapman. They could maybe throw Scott Barlow in there. Maybe throw Nicky Lopez, Edward Olivares, MJ Melendez. You throw a guy or two to make that trade a little bit sweeter. Not only are you trading for a back-end guy, maybe you get a bench bat. You get a young bench bat with years of control. But the Royals wanted to stick to this. I'm sure they're going to be very aggressive here in the coming weeks. But this was your biggest trade asset. And I think for the most part, you got a fine return. You got a fair return. Cole Reagans is going to be up in Kansas City after the All-Star break and in the rotation. They're trying to stretch him out now so he can go and do that. What I loved about this trade was not so much the players involved, but what J.J. Piccolo said in regards to why they went after those players. Now, Rony Cabrera, it's kind of up in the air. He's a lottery ticket. He's 17. He could either be a superstar or he could never make it out of high. That happens more often than not in Kansas City. It's been a while since they've hit on an international prospect, but he's a lottery ticket. What I loved about Cole Reagans and what J.J. Piccolo had to say about him was how much they liked his data, his advanced metrics. You go back to the Dayton Moore era, and this isn't to, to speak ill of people that aren't here anymore, but there were very few times the Royals acquired a player and advanced metrics was brought up. We like this pitch. We like the spin rate. We like the movement. And they liked Cole Reagan's fastball and his changeup. And maybe you can work on that a little bit. Injuries are a problem. He's had Tommy John surgery before, I believe twice. He's 25 years old. He's not a super young prospect, but there's stuff to like there. He was in the bullpen for a very good team. These are the type of guys you want to go after. I'm sorry to break it to everybody, but you're not going to get three top 100 prospects for Roldis Chapman. 29-year-old Roldis Chapman, yes. 35-year-old Roldis Chapman, no. Is that going to be the biggest return the Royals get? Very possible, depending on what Cole Reagans looked like and, and maybe how quickly Rony Cabrera can move through the Dominican Summer League. But I'd imagine they'd keep him there for the rest of the year. But I like this trade a lot more than I did when it broke. I maybe thought a couple top 30 guys, maybe one, and then a lottery ticket. Reagans was a big league level guy, but then they got a lottery ticket guy. They got the best of both worlds. They got a guy that can impact the rotation now. And when I mean impact, give them innings. And then a guy that down the road maybe could turn into something. Super high walk rate, big kid, big swing. 
You can go look at some of the, the YouTube videos out there of Rony Cabrera. Like the swing a lot. Now, he's got to translate from playing kids his age to jumping to playing about 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds. We'll see if he can make that transition. I like the trade now. It's won me over a little bit. And yes, was I expecting a little bit more? Sure. But when you dive into it, you look at more of the numbers on it. It's not a bad trade for Kansas City. It's not a bust of a trade. They had to roll this Chapman for two months, three months. And they got two prospects that maybe could help them down the road. Cole Reagan's now, Rony Cabrera in the future. I do like this return for the Kansas City Royals. Do not go anywhere. Don't click anywhere because if you're excited about Bobby Witt Jr., I'm going to tell you why you should be. He's been on a tear of late, why things are trending in an upward direction, and if he can keep it that way. All coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned in to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Network, and we always want to thank you for making Locked On Royals your first listen every day on all podcasting platforms, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and you can always follow along and subscribe on YouTube. But before we go any further, dive into some numbers for Bobby Witt Jr. Let's give a shout out to our title sponsor today in iBody. You picking up burgers or hot dogs for a summer barbecue tomorrow? Well, we already know you're going to do it. So why not get some cash back for it with iBody? iBody gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy with Ibotta. Now, right now, Ibotta is offering $5 to the listeners out there just for trying Ibotta and using the code MLB when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play and download the free Ibotta app and use code MLB. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store and use the code MLB because Ibotta is offering $5 to the listeners right now. So be sure to go to Google Play or the Apple Store and download Ibotta and use that code MLB. They are our title sponsor today in Ibotta. Bobby Witt Jr. has been on a tear over the last 30 games. And maybe that's too strong of a word. Maybe saying that Bobby Witt Jr. slashing 273, 328, 382 over his last 15, and 283, 339, 398 over his last 30 shouldn't really be categorized as on a tear. But I will tell you the number, the stat that pops out in my mind is OBP. Because Bobby Witt Jr. has never been an on-base guy. I know it's still early into his big league career. He just turned 23. And this is really only year two. This is a a year and a half into his big league career. Numbers are going to improve, and there's going to be a lot of peaks and valleys when you have a guy this young. But for this year, the step forward I wanted to see Bobby Witt Jr. take was drawing more walks. We've discussed it on the podcast before. You draw more walks, you see more pitches, you see more pitches to your liking. Every number goes up when you walk more. Your average goes up. And I know that when there's a walk, it doesn't improve your batting average. But like I said, you walk more, you see more pitches, more hittable pitches. So your average is naturally going to go up. Your slug is going to go up. Your runs created, going to go up. OPS, going up. 
your war, offensive war going up and you're hitting well, probably going to translate the defensive side as well, just because you have more confidence. Maybe that's the coach and me talking of saying, well, you hit well at the plate. You're naturally going to be more confident. It helps you in the field. But defense is not a worry right now for Bobby Wood Jr. It hasn't been all season long. That has been the best part of his game. We always knew the speed was there. He's got 23 bags on the year. You know, the pop is there. The power's there. The strength's there. 12 bombs on the year. Those aspects of his game are good. We've never denied that about Bobby Wood Jr. The talent, it, it oozes from him. He is a transcendent ball player. But you go from this Bobby Wood Jr. to a Bobby Wood Jr. that walks, you're talking about a multiple-time All-Star. It's that simple. Now, when I say it, it's simple. I'm also not the one that's spitting on 89-mile-an-hour sliders or taking a pitch up and in at 97 to 99. I'm not the one doing that. So it's a lot easier said than done. Just go, go out there and walk, take more pitches. You know, a perfect example is Nick Prado. Nick Prado likes to walk. He wants to see more pitches, but he also strikes out a hell of a lot more than Bobby Wood Jr. does, at least of late. A lot of called third strikes on Nick Prado, and that happens when you're too patient. But if you're a great hitter, you develop properly, and you get that confidence, you can spit on pitches that aren't there, and you're ready to, to see red on a pitch down the middle. A dead red fastball. Belt high. Maybe you're an outside hitter. Bobby Wood Jr. is not much of a high ball hitter, but it's down in the zone, and you can crush it. We're starting to see this a little bit more, that the more pitches he's seeing, the more walks that he's had, he had a, a above-average month for his standards in drawing walks, a walk rate, a base-on-ball percentage, whatever you want to call it, in the month of June. And we've seen it now in the numbers. He's slashing 283, 339, 398. The power's not really there right now, but I'm not too worried about it because I know it's there. What I need to see there is the walk numbers. I need to see the OBP go up. I can live with a 340 OBP from Bobby Wood Jr. Absolutely. In fact, if somehow this season he finished with an OBP north of 325, I think we'd all sign up for that right now. But you look at some of the top hitters in the league and the guys that we all want Bobby Wood Jr. to emulate, to replicate, to duplicate, whatever you want to say. They all have OBPs in the 350s, 360s, 370s. Their WRC plus is north of 140. That's not there yet for Bobby Wood Jr. That can be there. Look at a perfect example is Michael Garcia. I've used two perfect examples now. Another one is Michael Garcia. Seeing more pitches, they're going to throw you the pitches you like, and you can do damage with them. Now, Michael Garcia's got less of a track record than Bobby Wood Jr. They know how to pitch to Bobby Wood Jr. Maybe not just yet for Michael Garcia. That adjustment is soon to come. But his hard hit rate is over 50%, was under 30 last year. That's going to change for Bobby Wood Jr. When that K rate goes down, the walk rate goes up. It transforms everything as a hitter. And it's never really been something the Royals do because you go back to the, the successful years. What was the motto? What did the Royals live and die by? You put the ball in play, you don't strike out. It's stealing bags. It's sacrifice bunts. Using your legs, putting the ball in play, running contact plays. That's not really the way you want to build your team now. 
there's certain moments I'm all for a sacrifice bunt. Not many times, but there are moments. I thought yesterday the way the Royals attacked the Dodgers, it discombobulated them. Sacrifice bunt, stealing bags, stealing second, stealing third, sacrifice fly, sacrifice bunts, moving the runner over, all of that. That's good. When you win nine to one, not going to complain about anything. But when you're trying to construct the top half of the lineup, look at the hitters that are not just Royals good, league good. Vinny Pasquantino last year and early parts of this year before he really went on his slump, that was the Royals' best pure hitter. Big power, big walk rate. Michael Garcia, Nick Prado, the two guys that had been the hottest, at least in late May and then into June before Nick Prado tailed off a bit because their walk numbers were up a little bit. Hard hit rate goes up from that. Bobby Witt Jr., look at how talented he already is without being able to walk. That's a guy that's borderline an all-star. You add that aspect into his game, transforms him. The defense is there. And that's another great thing about this. Bobby Wood Jr. and Michael Garcia with a minimum of 300 innings. They're the only duo in the top 20 and outs above average. Think about that. Bobby Wood Jr. at short is 17th and outs above average. This is among all players. Outfielders, infielders, catchers, doesn't matter. Michael Garcia is top five. That's the defense you have on the left side. Michael Garcia is already hitting on his own. Don't have to worry about Michael Garcia, at least in this last stretch. Bobby Wood Jr., he's getting there. But Bobby Wood Jr. has a higher ceiling than Michael Garcia. These guys, as is, are already valuable players because of their defense. You play this well defensively, you can be average to below average to play and still be a two to three war player. But you want to be these guys, you want these guys to be four to five war players. You want to build around them. That can come as soon as Bobby Wood Jr. increases that walk rate. But as of late, I can't complain. Last 30 games, 283 batting average, 339 OBP, and a slug of 398. I'd like to see that go up a little bit, but I'll live with the OBP numbers right now. He's got three bombs, 17 RBIs in his last 30, nine walks to 21 strikeouts. That's an improvement. That's a big-time improvement for a guy like Bobby Wood Jr., hoping he can take off in this series against Minnesota because it has been ugly U-G-L-Y at target field for him in his career. All right, before we go, we do want to dive into some trade candidates for the Royals. I know we're revisiting this once again, but who is the next guy to go? We'll tell you who next on Locked On Royals. You are tuned in to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson, and we've already had tons to get into today. My thoughts on the oldest Chapman deal, Bobby Witt Jr.'s last 30, and how he can sustain that. And now I think what's on a lot of Royals fans' mind, at least going into July, we're already in July, mid-July, late July, we're all going to be focused on the draft. And do not worry, because tomorrow we're going to be deep diving into the draft, which guys I like. And starting tomorrow, we're going to give you one prospect leading up to the draft. So Tuesday, we're going to have one guy we like, Wednesday, another guy we like, Thursday and Friday, so on and so forth. Everybody's focused on the Major League Baseball draft. That'll be next Sunday. And we'll have plenty of coverage and a deep dive into that, as I just mentioned. But also a lot of people, at least after Roldis Chapman was moved, are going to be asking themselves, who is the next to go? Who's the next pitcher? Who's the next position player? It's always really a shot in the dark. It's a guess. You really are guessing at who the next Royal to be traded is. I assumed Roldis Chapman was going to be the first to go, but now it's kind of up in the air. Do they want to trade Scott Barlow now? or? in the final two series before the All-Star break. It would not shock me if the Royals start making moves on that break. 
because that just makes sense. You're not playing anymore. Guys rub off their feet, gives them a chance to transition. You can bring up guys if you want to, fill some spots on the roster. I do not believe, though, Scott Barlow is going to be the next to go. I don't see a, um, a move. I don't see a scenario in which that he's immediately moved here in the coming series, unless that it just breaks now in the last five to six minutes. But it really feels like to me, Scott Barlow is going to be hung on to until the All-Star break is leaked, at least. The other guys, I don't see MJ Melendez being moved before the All-Star break. And in fact, they give less than a 5% chance that he is going to be traded. Edward Olivares, he's kind of an MJ Melendez category. I'm not sure they really view him as a strong trade chip. You could always try to make a move for Jordan Lyles and pay that salary. So somebody's basically getting him for cheap, and he's just a, a swing man, a guy that can give you 70 innings over the course of the rest of the season. Maybe you want to move somebody like a, oh, Amir Garrett. Amir Garrett would make a lot of sense. He just got healthy, was great in his outing last time out against the Dodgers. He hit 97 on a strikeout. Amir Garrett makes a lot of sense. And no, Amir Garrett is not a guy that keeps runners off base. But the ERA looks good. The strikeout numbers look good. Not anywhere near oldest Chapman level. He's coming off an injury. Maybe teams would be scared away by that. But not making a lot of money. Okay, he's got the power slider, good fastball, and he's a lefty, a funky lefty that throws hard. Jake Diekman-ish, if you will. Walk numbers are high. They're always going to be high with Amir Garrett, but he's quietly enjoying a pretty good season by some metrics. The walk rate, don't like. The whip, don't like. The strikeout to walk ratio, don't like. But he's a power lefty out of the bullpen. And it makes sense for the Royals to move on from a guy like that. I don't think they're going to move anybody else out of the bullpen like a Carlos Hernandez. Doesn't make too much sense. I'm not sure at this point what the value is for Taylor Clark. Scott Barlow's going, but maybe they'll wait till a team gets desperate. That may be a true wait until the deadline. And then you say, all right, final couple hours, give us your best offer. We know Scott Barlow's good, velocity's down, but he's still got enough to be a back-end bullpen guy. That, I think, is going to be the play with Scott Barlow. Amir Garrett, you throw him out there a couple times this Minnesota series, maybe once or twice in the Cleveland series, I'm making the move. I want to make his value as high as possible. Now, with a lot of teams, they just like the guy in general. They like the stuff. It doesn't really matter if they get lit up a few times. A thing about a perfect example is in Moneyball, when Billy Bean trains, trades for Ricardo Rincon. And he's offering up a guy. And remember the other GM, I'm blanking off the top of my head. The other GM says, we got roughed up last time. That's not, not his fault. We misused him. Those conversations go on all the time in front offices. I know that's Hollywood. I know it's a movie. But you like a guy, you like the stuff. It's really not going to matter if he gets roughed up in one outing. But if Amir Garrett can look pretty good here over the next two series, I think he would be the next Royal to go. I've loved the flair. I've loved the passionate energy. He's a great clubhouse leader. He's the guy that that really, I think, people gravitate toward in the clubhouse. He would be the next one to go. I think he can pitch on a postseason team. What leverage? I don't know. But I don't think there's ever a time you look at a power lefty, power slider, 97-mile-an-hour fastball when you top at that and go, that's not for us. You can work with that a little bit. High strikeout numbers, good stuff. 
walk numbers, dealing with runners on base, that is a concern. But the Royals know there's value in there. And I think that he'll be the next guy to be moved heading into the All-Star break. Well, that'll do it for another edition of Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, although it's been a very weird time. But always give me that follow at J underscore 15. Let's see if we get it right this time. At J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore 15. And check us out on all the podcasting platforms. That can be Spotify. That can be Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. And you can check us out on YouTube. Just be sure to subscribe so all my videos will pop up on your feed. But until next time, you take it easy, Kansas City.